Welcome to the official podcast where the bombs get thrown. I'm your host, May Shayla Bogan, and I introduce to you the Mike Bomb Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Mike Bomb Podcast with your host, me, Shayla, and your co-host, Kayla Lewis. This is officially episode 59 of the podcast, and we're kicking off today's episode talking about, you know, giving you guys a recap of the WNBA Finals. So the Las Vegas Aces defeated the Connecticut Suns, I believe the score was 78 to 71, where they secured their first ever WNBA Finals Championship, which is also head coaches Becky Hammond's W first ever WNBA Finals Championship. Um Kayla, do you want to kick it off starting, you know, giving your thoughts on that about oh, yeah. the year that they've had and things like that? So, I mean, I don't even think, you know, just noting that this is Becky Hammond's first win as a, uh, well, finals win as a WNBA coach, but also she was coach of the year. So on top of, you know, having, you know, the finals MVP, you know, defensive player of the year, commissioner's cup MVP. So I'm, that sounds like a pretty good year to me. Yeah. To just capitalize on that. I mean, yeah, she did more in her first year than I think anybody would have projected, especially me. Honestly, I was a little way off with it. I thought that the Chicago Sky was going to repeat as the champions. Obviously, the Sun had different plans, which is why they were the ones to eliminate, you know, to eliminate the Sky in Chicago, surprisingly, and then advance to the WNBA Finals where they pretty much did all they could, you can say, to um, limit the Aces' chances of winning it all, but wasn't good enough. Obviously, it was just too much for the Sun to overcome. So it's like you have Aja Wilson, you have Chelsea Gray, who won the WNBA Finals MVP. Then you have Kelsey Plum. You like you have all these shooters around everywhere. And Aja Wilson had a pretty big year where she was first team all, you know, all pro, along with the fact that she did win Defensive Player of the Year. Then you have Kelsey Plum, who I believe was first team all pro. Then I believe Chelsea Gray was second team. Or it might have been the other way around with them too, but they just had a squad. Like yeah. they they were tough to begin with. And then you have a great coach like Becky Hammond, who now a lot of people are clowning the NBA for for practically not offering a head coaching position in their league and just, just came back and dominated those who beat the other top tier teams. So it's like it's pretty much up from here from Becky Hammond. Like you could say she had indefinitely a grand slam year because she done everything there is to do within one year. She won the WNBA finals. She's won coach of the year. 
it's like she took over and she did it all leading the aces to number being number one seed in the western conference where you have seattle you have washington you have all these other teams who are former wnba championship teams in their own right with sue bird and natasha cloud and all these guys how would you sum up you know uh kayla how would you think you know, the Aces year with Becky Hammond would be sum up in within one word. How would you sum it up? Oh, like you said, I think they were kind of a quiet, you know, unexpected, you know, team out of the West. But I mean, for me, I guess, you know, when I originally think the name Becky Hammond, I'm, you know, associating, you know, she had a great NBA coach to learn under and pop. Um, so, I mean, I feel like she, you know, got a chance to learn under a, a really good coaching squad. So, you know, now she gets the time, gets the chance to call the shots. But at the same time, like we mentioned a little bit last week, it's just kind of unfortunate, you know, that you've got the start of the NFL season overshadowing yeah. that. Um, but I mean, I feel like you, like you said, you got to give, you got to look at the NBA a little bit sideways like so we we just gonna act like y'all didn't ignore that talent that pop had yeah in his coach's um meeting room yeah it's just it's honestly crazy because here's the whole thing about all of that she's better than a lot of you know a lot of people who has had coaching jobs in the nba and it's like she was an assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs, which is surprisingly, it's like, how did she help, you know, coach up a good team or a great organization within that organization? I mean, okay, sum it all up. So she helped coach up a great team, which in the, at that time, the San Antonio Spurs. And when you have that alone on your resume, on top of what you did as a player while you were playing in the WNBA, it's like it, it's mind blowing how she doesn't get, you know, she didn't get any offers. And listen, Greg Popovich said it himself. You know, he says she was a massive talent. She he definitely saw her coaching in the NBA in the in the future at the time, which was like her second, third year under him. And the fact that she had to go back to the WNBA, which some people don't know she's the highest paid coach ever. And this year, you now know why, because the talent that was in Las Vegas is not wasted. But thinking about all of it and summing this all up, the W, I mean, the NBA looks pretty stupid right now. They this look pretty stupid <laughs> because it's like there's a lot of teams right now in the NBA that could use her coaching and use her guidance. And I think a lot of the players in the NBA would respect it. I don't think they would have had an issue with having a female coach or you and I wouldn't think as women, they would have that issue, especially at this point, knowing all that she's done as a player and know all that she's done as an assistant coach. So it's like, you said it, the NFL season just, overshadowed that because another week of crazy football didn't play out well for you or I both unfortunately I don't want to talk about it yeah yeah, <laughs> that, yeah I, I can hurt just a little bit just just week, a little bit this week yeah this weekend kind of sucked for me I mean let's just 
like, do you have anything else you would like to say about the WNBA before we ship gears and get started on that? Um, all I'm saying is, Pop, I'm gonna need you to speak on Becky Hammond one more time so the NBA can put some respect on her name. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, and that's definitely going on a social media post right there. Just saying, you know. <laughs> All right. So, now, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now we're definitely shipping gears to the NFL now because week two was not a good week for either one of us, if you think about it. Maybe a worse week for you, but. I was going to say, it, did you got, you guys at least got some points on the board, didn't you? Well, yeah. But obviously not in a way that I would like, especially in a losing manner. And your home opener, second year straight for the Steelers, um, who's actually playing this Thursday or today against the Browns. And, oh, God, only if they can win that game, which I'm projecting them to. But that's a little more down the road. We got to talk about week two, even though I understand you don't. I really don't. But there's a lot <laughs> on my chest that I need to get off about my team. Because I'll, I'll let you start so I can get my feelings together. All right. No problem. No problem. <laughs> I, I understand. Okay. So this is right now a recap of the Steelers home opener game against the New England Patriots, where they lost 17-14 to 14 to Mac Jones and Bill Belichick. Not Brady and Belichick, but Jones and Belichick. And it was a pretty weird matchup because that was the first time in my life as a Steeler fan that I'm seeing both the Steelers and the Patriots without either Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger involved in the matchup. And it's just weird because that's when you think about the Patriots and you think about the Steelers within the past 20 years, those going to be the first two names that come in your mind when they match up against each other because they've been around the organization the longest and they had the longest tandem with still current head coaches, Bill Belichick and Mike Tomlin. So it's like two of the most winning and, you know, winning coaches in the NFL right now, along with the fact that they both are pretty much for the first time in their careers, you will consider on paper, the underdogs, because they're not, it's no Tom Brady, it's no Big Ben, you know, it's who is going to win this matchup. And there were really no favorites when you think about it, but there's no question in my heart that, or in my mind, that the Steelers had no business losing that game. Let's just face facts here. You know, your defense only gave up about 10 points. And your offense, they chose not to kick up until it was the third quarter heading into the fourth or maybe in the fourth quarter, and that's not a good sign. And there's just been a lot of blame going around, a lot of controversy. You know, former quarterback Ben Roethlisberger just had a lot to say. <laughs> a lot of people are criticizing Mitchell Trubisky, by the way, who averaged – I believe it was a little over 200 yards. He went one for one. His completing percentage wasn't that great. I understand. No. I don't, it really wasn't. <laughs> but um, missing throws, missing open wide receivers to Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, and all them guys. It was someplace where Claypool was wide open. And I was shouting. I was it shouting. Seems like it, was like, like, yeah. it seems like it was a quiet day for Najee, too. 
I mean, yeah, but it's like I don't really blame Najee because the the blocking for the run game for the past two games has not been there. And it and I expect that to improve. Obviously, this, you know, against Cleveland, you can definitely expect some of that to get going because I don't see you throwing the ball all day against Denzel Ward, Grant, and all them guys in that secondary. I just don't see that happening. So you're definitely going to have to get the run game going, especially with Miles Garrett and them guys playing. But the defense is not to blame for that loss against the Steelers. And I don't even get how anyone can, at this rate, look at the defense and be like, you're part of this too. Yes, they gave up one touchdown, but that is one touchdown. One touchdown. You telling me your offense against a defense like the Patriots cannot produce at least two touchdowns or more? That's all we needed to win the game. Like, I'm not the type of fan that's going to give a crap how you win the game. I just want you to win the game because you play the game to win. You don't play the game to determine how you win the freaking game. And I was getting frustrated because it was too many opportunities. But now that Mitch Trubisky was given the floor, Deontay Johnson was given the floor, Najee was given the floor where he was, where they were pretty much repeating what was said last year when Roethlisberger was on the center and he was getting the same heat that Mitchell Trubisky is currently now getting, which the, I was already eyeing at Canada as it was. I was. Um, but I'm definitely eyeing him right now. And there is no question in my heart that Matt Canada is on the hot seat right now. This is do or die for him, this game again you know, this game in Cleveland, along with Mitchell Trubisky, because something in this water is just not mixing. Like, the same problems that Ben practically got blamed for last year, we're seeing the same, like, Mason Rudolph made the same throws in that system. Dwayne Haskins, recipes upon his soul, made the same throws in that system. Then you turn right back around. Ben Roethlisberger, who I felt got too much blame for that last year, but the same crap we're watching right now, pretty much, got blamed and made them same throws. Now look at Mitchell Trubisky, the same exact thing. How do you have four quarterbacks in your system and none of them work? Four quarterbacks within two years, none of them work? And for some reason... I'm listening to a lot of analysts, and I'm like, I'm waiting for somebody to bring this up to the forefront. Why are we having four different quarterbacks? None of them play alike. All different playing styles. None of them work in that system. None of them. And it's like, and it's weird because we expected something better. We at least expected the offensive line to improve. That did, but for some reason, we're looking at them more than we're looking at the offensive coordinator. I mean, people in general. Obviously, I, you know who I'm looking at right now, and at this rate, who can blame me? The lack of creativity for the run game. We're seeing the same boring, ineffective run plays. And some people say Najee Sari holds more. I agree. I agree to that, but that's. I feel like if we get a little too much into Najee, and his playing style, we're not 
approaching the problem and the problem. He may not be the only problem, but he is the problem because the defense is starting to defend Mitchell Trubisky like they defended Big Ben last year. And now it's like the similarities. You say Ben was washed. You say his arm wasn't there. He didn't have it anymore. La da 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 da. And Mitch Trubisky, who is much younger now, are making those same throws that Haskins, Rudolph, Roethlisberger all made. And there's one common denominator in all of this, and that's the offensive coordinator. And I are listen- you blaming the offensive coordinator or the quarterbacks coach? Um, I'm going to blame the offensive coordinator because I feel like his play calling is is what's it's the blame for all of this, like. Who runs the ball on a third and 14? Who throws slants on a third and 14? Then I listened to Ben's podcast, Footballing, on Channel 7, which is a YouTube channel he runs now. I recommend everyone to listen to that because that's pretty much where you're going to get Ben Roethlisberger unfiltered, which is I've been waiting for it. And I've been waiting for this episode to drop. So I can listen and no, I have not listened to the complete episode just yet. I'm definitely going to do it after this because I want to hear completely what he said. And sometimes they take things out to make it more than what it is. But um, I watched that clip. And when you got your former quarterback saying that you really can't blame Mitch, you could blame pretty much the system. That's that's to me is flipping you know to the person whose creativity this is like who's calling the plays and he did you know say that oh I'm not blaming Matt Canada either but who's responsible for the system who's the one that's calling the plays that are being done on the football field that the players are doing on the field that's the offensive coordinators well, see, but I'll raise you. I mean, I and I get that, you know, you know, whether you're on the field court, what have you, or in the front office, like, you know, you obviously need that job security, but at what rate do you look at Ben and say, why, why you are in meetings with the quarterbacks coach? I'm sure you spent a good amount of time with the offensive coordinator. Why not say the system doesn't work Ben? Um, good question. I think this is what I also said. I said the biggest mistake Ben Roethlisberger made last year was giving Matt Canada any type of power back. Um, I think that the season would have played out way better last year if the play calling would have just stuck in the hands of Ben Roethlisberger because clearly the only way the ball moved that us Steeler, us Yenzers, us Steeler fans like myself would like it to move is when he was calling the plates. And I think that Ben Roethlisberger, you know, was painted as a jerk, you could say, within a teammate or leadership. And he already knew that if he would have did that, it would have got out in the media because it's Pittsburgh, it's the Steelers. Unfortunately, nothing behind the scenes really get kept a secret like that. And it would have led to pretty much him being painted as a jerk in another one of those stories. And I, and the last thing you need when you're Ben, knowing that this is going to be your last year, you already told teammates before it actually came out. The last thing you want to be doing is be labeled as a jerk more than you already were, you know? And he was doing everything he could to pretty much 
clean up his on the field and off the field reputation. And that right there would have not helped it. So he tried his best to play that system that even though he, Deontay, others knew that was not working then and know that's not working now. And Ben could have easily thrown Matt Canada under the bus. Um, I think that anyone, because that's pretty much what everyone on this offense is practically doing. It's throwing Matt Canada under the bus, back-to-back years. They defend the quarterback, they defend the coach, they defend the teammates, but nobody defends the coordinator. You know, you could easily read between the lines. The lines are Ray Charles or freaking who who else we could name? Stevie Wonder can read between those lines. That's how obvious it is. And they didn't say the coordinator directly, but they did call out the play calling. They did call out the system. And all of that relies on the offensive coordinator. So the Patriots give them props because they pretty much capitalized on the Steelers' flaws that were shown in the game against Cincinnati, even though they won that game. But obviously they didn't have to do much, and that's what scares me, that you lost to a team that only scored 17 points when you got the Browns coming up, you got the Jets the following week, who can definitely pull off an upset this week against Cincinnati like they done last year, who's pretty much in a slump this year, which is something we're definitely going to get into. I really can't wait for that one. I think that would cheer you and I both up. But um, <laughs> let's hope so. Yeah, uh, yeah, let's hope so. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. And then you got the Bucks, you got the Bills, you got the Eagles. Those going to be tough. And at least two out of three of those games that I mentioned with the Bucks, the the Bucks, the Bills, and the Eagles, you're on the road two out of three of those games. You're going to their turf, not to yours. They're not coming to yours. So it's like you got to think about that if you're the Steelers. You got to get your act together. You got to get it fixed. You are where you want to be right now, which is number is which is first place in the AFC North, or at least tied in a three-way tie with the Browns and the Ravens for first place in the AFC North. And you got a big divisional game coming up against the Cleveland Browns. So if you're the Steelers, somebody got to give up their role. So I think this Thursday, I think today's game against the Browns, it's do or die for both Mitchell Trubisky and Matt Canada. Because Mitchell Trubisky is going to lose his job, but Matt Canada is definitely going to be out of here next year if we don't see improvement. You've had four quarterbacks. You have weapons. You got Claypool. You got Deontay. You got George Pickens, who a lot of people like myself was frustrated with because he was open the whole game, literally. Entire 60 minutes, he was the one person that never got taken out. So he played every down, open every down, and nothing. Targeted only at least, once. At least Mitch made it to um, week two. Our kicker didn't even make it, you know, through Monday. So right. So yeah. Now that I got my feelings about the Steelers <laughs> out the way, just for now, you know, take it away, girl, about your Colts, because I was even shocked about that. Um. Well, let me let me put it this way. Um. I unfortunately we might not be friends next week. Um. Because I I am rooting for Jacoby Brissett. Um. Tonight. Mm. Um. But I, I'm a little bit biased. That's because I was we were at, with the Colts at the same time. Um, but um, 
on to my lovely Colts. Let me first start off by saying we're just continuing, you know, our 2014 streak of losing to Jacksonville in Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, so I, I expected a loss going into this weekend, uh, but I was not expecting us to not get anything on the board. I think yeah, we were like the a only shutout. team. Yeah, I think we were the only team this week that got shut out. Um, so that that was unfortunate. But positive note, um, and then I'll get back into my feelings about this game. Uh, I think we've got about five or six guys that are eligible to get into the Hall of Fame this year. Hopefully that goes well. This is, I think, time number three or four for Reggie Wayne. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But I'm kind of looking at him this week to see what was going on in the wide receivers room. And I really would like to know what was going on in the quarterback's room. Um, Cause 195 yards, three interceptions. Uh, I got, I, ha- I have questions. Um, like I have a lot of questions that I mean, and I know I asked you, why weren't you looking at your quarterback coach? Um, I'm looking at our offensive coordinator too, um, but I'm also looking at him because he previously was our quarterbacks coach. So it's like, you've been in that room. I'm sure you understand the tough conversations that have had to happen. Um, and I mean, I'm even looking at Frank Wright because he's a former quarterback um, as well. Um, so it's just kind of like, so how many, how many quarterbacks is it going to take to get the Colts quarterback room under control? But yeah. I could spend a good deal of time on our quarterback room and how it doesn't seem like we can choose anybody under, you know, 35 to be our quarterback for longer than a year. Um, But I mean, with that, I mean, I guess, you know, we've got, you've got training camp and OTAs, you know, trying to learn a new quarterback, but the fact that we've got the second best running back in the division and in football, you know, in my opinion. Exactly. I, I mean, I know they're a divisional opponent, but um, I, I can't I can't put JT under uh, King Henry yet. Not yet. But the fact that we've got one of the better running backs in the league and he only gets nine attempts the whole game for 54 yeah, yards. Yeah, I think that's, that's one of y'all flaws, too. It's like... <laughs> You're not running the ball enough against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are honestly defensively weak against the run, which I don't understand that because Jonathan Taylor can definitely carry the load in Jacksonville. So I think that was right. You know, I think that's y'all problem. They said, I don't know, the hot weather can have your brain going hammer all over to a point that you that regardless at this rate, regardless of who your quarterback is, it's clear who's your top tier player and you don't ever want to go somewhere where you have a hard time of winning and not put the ball in the best player's hands, especially when you're on offense. Correct. And I mean, like I said, we've got had some receivers that were struggling today. I mean, Michael Pittman Jr. was out, but the I think it was his quad. And then, I mean, you've got Paris Campbell that is, you know, coming back off of three years of injury now, or two years of injury, rather. Um, But, I mean, he's still a young kid, but one of the local beat writers mentioned, like, is it about time that we expect Campbell to actually, you know, take advantage of the time that he's actually going into a 
you know, a week three healthy? Um, should we be setting that bar a little higher or we should we just kind of, you know, take it to the chin that he hasn't played since, you know, well, not since, but too much since you got drafted. Um, so I guess that's kind of my issue, but also defensively. Um, and this is probably my say, my favorite group to talk to in the locker room. But I mean, you let them put up 24 points like <laughs> nobody, nobody wanted to, you know, grab an interception. I mean, and it, these numbers for their tackles are all under 10. Like, was it we just did left our pride on the plane? Like, was it on the <laughs> bus? Like, did it not travel with y'all? Um, and I think what's even more concerning for me on the defensive end, it's like you've got a bunch of young, young bodies that are like, what are, what are we doing? So yeah. I'm hoping, well, I was going to say, I'm hoping that week three goes better, but you luckily got we're at City. home, but we've got Patty <laughs> Mahomes. So I, I think I, I might be in my feelings about my Colts for a little bit. Um, and then we've got the Titans after that. So it's, it's going to be a rough, it's going to be a rough month of September for the Colts. I'm a, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's kind of vice versa with the Steelers. Obviously, Cleveland is going to be tough. Um, not have a big Ben definitely can be a huge blow when it comes to that franchise. But I got faith in the Steelers pulling it off. I'm not sure who's going to win that matchup. We're definitely going to be giving a preview of that matchup later on in this episode. But it it sucks for both of us this episode <laughs> because it's not victory anything for us right now. It's not. Neither one of our teams won. You could definitely argue which offense had the better F. Um, hey, look. Uh, F is an I F. Will, I will definitely take, you know, I will take this L. I'm not going to take it gracefully, but I'll take it. Right. Um, There's only much of this crap with my team I'm taking. But moving on to week three, because last Thursday night football was a good game, even though Justin Herbert got hurt. And then Dallas pulled off what many would say the upset of the week, along with, you know, Tulip's grateful performance against the Baltimore Ravens. Then you had the Jets, who played the Bengals this week, beating the Browns. It's like, out of all those games, which one caught your eye within the results? Like I said, I was so distracted on, you know, my team not looking great this week, but I'm shocked to see, you know, that the Lions actually beat somebody. Um, I feel like that's, you know, a team you're not used to hearing in the win column. Yeah. Um, Detroit's having a fiesta right now. They're actually having more fun than my Steelers right now. I'm not liking this. No, right. I feel like we need to get this football order back in order. Um, and I mean, I guess I'm not too shocked by the score of the Bucks Saints game, but saw a crazy headline about Jameis and him and his back fractures. Um, and I think he's got about four of them, but they're saying it's not going to hinder his his performance too much. They're just wrapping him up and throwing him out there, and I'm just like, oh, NFL, can y'all risk any more like? nervous system and brain issues on your injury list for players that have retired 
Yeah. Um, so I found that that uh that that um headline kind of interesting. Um, but I'm hoping, you know, looking at this um, Seahawks score, I'm wondering if they are going to be able to bounce back from Russell Wilson not being there anymore. Yeah. Um, Seattle didn't have the best performance against the 49ers. And usually I'm used to the Seahawks beating the 49ers. But as of late, within the past two to three seasons, it's just been the other way around. And it's been the 49ers happen to be the team in the West behind the Rams to, that everyone has to have answers for, which tells me how tough that division truthfully is to win. And now you got the Cardinals getting back into the winner column. So that division is pretty tough. But there's a game that actually made me happy. And that's, well, the Bengals losing to the Cowboys, which I'm pretty shocked about. I don't think it's going to happen this week again against the Jets, unfortunately. So the Steelers are going to definitely have to get their act together. Otherwise, they're going to have the same record as the Bengals. But um, more of the story is this. Cooper Rush beat Joe Barrow and had better numbers than Joe Barrow. Um, even though it was in Dallas. CeeDee Lamb had a game against, and Noah Brown as well had a game against the Bengals secondary. And this is the secondary that practically, you could say, carried the Bengals to that Super Bowl run they had last year. And a lot of people didn't have Dallas winning this game. I was hoping they did, and obviously my hopes came true, but... I definitely picked the Bengals to win this game. I'm picking them this week against the Jets as well. Um, all because I don't see how – I don't see the Bengals making the playoffs. I don't see that happening, thankfully. Um, okay. I caught – yeah, I caught it early on in the, you know, in the offseason. Bengal fans came at my head. You know, going to find their ways to come back at my head as well. Um, but – more of the story is that the Cowboys pulled off to me what was the upset of the week because Cincinnati has nobody missing. They don't have Dak. So Dak was pretty much playing coordinator, quarterback coach, and like coach all in one with Mike McCarthy. And Cooper Rush, you know, pulled off a what many would say a miracle, which now got everybody side-eyed not only the offensive line to Cincinnati, but the defense. Because this is the second time where guys did not have, you know, the most glamorous game against you guys, but they got the best of you in the moments that matter most, and you have not yet responded. And you got a very, you know, some people would say a tough challenge with the Jets right now, which as a New Jersey native – I thought I would never be able to say that again. Who had your number last year with Mike I meant with Mike White. Now coming back with Joe Flacco, who just came off a great victory in Cleveland against the Browns. Then you turn right back around and you got, you know, yeah, you got them again. Like, you, you got them right now to worry about. And... This gotta this gotta bother this gotta bother them. This gotta bother Cincinnati. You were not able to score more than like 20 points in both of your losses. And you were averaging about 24 points in offense last year. 
So when you think about it, that's a real, you know, that's a real drop, especially for offense who on paper gotten better. But I try to tell people, don't, <laughs> don't keep reading on paper because I told them when the Cowboys let go an offensive lineman out of all positions, if they let a top tier or top tier offensive lineman walk, it is not a not good that air sign. <laughs> I had to. I had to because, see, here's the deal. They were supposed to be better because of Lyle Collins. They've only gotten worse, man. Like, T.J. Watt, Michael Parsons just single-handedly destroyed that offensive line. And then you had Cameron Hayward getting into it, the, along with T.J. Then it was Alex Hyde-Smith, like, that offensive line is getting destroyed. I don't want to. And then you got the Jets who had the best of the Bengals last year when you were at your best, when people didn't see you coming. Obviously, they did. And the Jets offense on paper, who was worse last year, put up 34 points on this defense who lost the player and didn't gain one really because I don't see the hype in Dax Hill. And a lot of people, a lot of Bengal fans, to be more particular, wants Jesse Bates bench now just to see the experiment that they feel is going to work out well, but it's not. I'm telling everybody right now, it's not. But it's good. It's getting ugly in Cincinnati quickly. And I think that, honestly, if they lose to the Jets this Sunday, they are indefinitely not making the playoffs. There's no comeback, even if they are to win a game or two after this. And it's pretty much over for them. Because Pittsburgh and Cleveland, one of them two teams are going to have to lose. Obviously, you know who I'm pulling for to lose, and you know who I'm pulling for to win. And then you got the Ravens, who got the Patriots. Lamar came up on the injury report, but I think he's going to be fine. Um, I think the Ravens are looking to bounce back, and I don't see you beating the Baltimore Ravens team only averaging 17 points a game, but they are at home, not on the road, against a top-tier defense on paper and film, with or without T.J. Watt, which is really pissed me off about that. But um, it's just, <laughs> it did, it did, because defense put on a great show even without T.J. Watt, and a lot of people say, oh, well, they didn't have a sack. Funny. Cameron Hayward got double teamed. Alex Highsmith got double teamed. What do you expect? And then you, it's like with TJ Watt, they get one on ones, but without him, they're going to get double teamed. And the offense underperformed that game, not the defense. The defense only gave up 10 points. Right there, tell you everything you need to know. And my boy, the Mika Penitentiary on the interception streak. So let's just. But we're a little off top. I'm a little off topic. You're saying on. Hey. Thank you for doing that. But um, I got you. That's, but, what um, that's what I'm here for. Exactly. Thank you. But um, yeah, back to the story. The Bengals. They lose to the Jets this Sunday. They are indefinitely not making the playoffs. Their season's over with. Because who else do you see them beating? You're going to have to play this Bucks team as well. You're going to have to see, like, uh, they're going to have to see the Saints. They're going to have to see Dolphins. They're going to have to see the Ravens. They're seeing the Steelers again week 11. And in my book, I said it. They beat you week one, you're getting swept. It's over. And then you got the Ravens who wanting to get at you because you had your words about him, about them on your podcast. Then you had Cleveland who practically had your number last year 
you're going to have to see as well. And that's only in your division. Then you got Kansas City, who's on a hot streak and want to get their hands on you down the road. Okay, then you got the, is Patty Mahomes ever not on a hot streak. Yeah, but then you got to, um, but they were talking Welcome smack to the, the Chiefs fans. They were talking smack about the Chiefs. They were running their mouths for getting that there in the conference with the this Buffalo Bills. You Exit got that out. team as well. But before I you do, got the Chiefs in the building. Hey, hey, this is my night. This is my pain. Hey, this is my life. Yeah, this is what I was born to do. against third place in the AFC North right now. And it could easily change. You know, if the Browns win, they're in first. But if they lose, which I'm projecting them to, they're in, they stay, they remain in third, or they at least go the, yeah, well, yeah, they remain in third because Cincinnati didn't win a game. So, it's indefinitely, you know, a, a weird week, but an interesting week because we would have never thought that a Steeler in the Browns game since last year when playoff implications on the line would be this big without Big Ben and or Baker Mayfield being involved, nor Deshaun Watson as well, who's suspended for 11 games and is projected to be back the same week that they played the Houston Texans, which is definitely going to be, to me, a primetime game if it's not scheduled already. But... Yeah, week three, it's going to be an interesting week because not only these are conference games, these are like the Bills and the Dolphins are definitely going to be a shootout, I think. Um, it's either that or Buffalo is going to blow them out because Miami's not buff blowing Buffalo out. That's not happening. Um, I like Tua. I've, I think I've got him starting, um, un unfortunately, over Jacoby Brissett in fantasy this week, but I mean, who could blame you? Tulip is playing great football right now, and they exactly. got a great team around them. Yeah. So, but I mean, as far as the Browns and the Steelers game, uh, like I said, I'm I'm a little bit biased. Um, yeah, I do you're have pulling a for your boy. I have we know, I have a favorite. We know. But I mean, I'm I I am gonna give you guys the win. Though. I I will I will gracefully accept that y'all probably have Jacoby's number. Um. But like I said, I, I am pulling for him. I want him to be great. Yeah. Uh, but that other the other game that I was really well, I'm really interested in seeing and hope is going to be playing here in Carolina, is that uh, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers game yeah. at 4:25 on Sunday. Oh my God! I actually forgot about that game. Oh my God! What? Yeah, girl, that's gonna be a game. That's so, gonna I'm be a game. <laughs> I'm excited to see how that goes. And then, yeah. you know. No Devontae not, Adams, no Mike Evans. Ooh. Might be a little bit sticky, but I, I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm here for it, too. I like that matchup. Like, I wish it your was thoughts on that, game. girl? I wish it was the late night game. Um, I'm looking at those two late night games. You've got the 49ers and Broncos at 820, and then you've got the Cowboys and the Giants. At eight fifteen, I'm just like we we couldn't have got those two blockbuster quarterbacks, yeah. And one of those late night slots. I mean, not that I'm not interested in watching Russell Wilson. I want to, you know, I want to get the chance to watch him and see how he's doing in a new system and a new space. Because honestly, I never thought he would leave Seattle. 
Um, but I mean, I I will probably check that game out. But I really wish I could end my Sunday night watching Aaron and Tom, mostly just because I want to see if Tom is actually gonna really retire ever. Um, but I mean, also you know, with the craziness that was Aaron Rodgers off season, kind of want to see how his shenanigans play out and see if he could break Tom's two and zero. Um, definitely. Yeah. Brady has had the Packers numbers a couple of times since joining the Bucks. Aaron Rodgers obviously looking to get back at them. They did bounce back well against the Bears, but they practically, you know, was at home in Lambeau, I believe, and they practically had Chicago's number. Mm-hmm. No, ever since the Aaron Rodgers era has started in Cleveland. I mean, not Cleveland, correct me. Sorry, <laughs> Packer fans, but in Green Bay. Um, ever since he took over, I believe it was 2010, if I'm not mistaken. But sounds about right. You know, it's cool. gonna be interesting to watch that. It's definitely gonna be interesting. Or he probably took over 2009, 2010. It was some time about that. But um, I don't know who I'm picking to win that game though. It it's gonna be a shootout. Yeah, um... I think so too. Um, Brady still got Julio Jones. He still got Chris Godwin. Obviously, he doesn't have Gronk no more, which could be a disadvantage. But Aaron Rodgers don't have, you know, his other wide receivers either. Elzar, he doesn't have Devontae Adams, who's now in, I mean, not Oakland, uh, Las Vegas, with a 0-2 Raiders team right now, which is something that we could definitely talk about, because that's shocking. Um, He doesn't have, you know, he doesn't have his hitters around him like that no more, but he does have A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, which can definitely carry the load against his Bucks defense, who can possibly be shorthanded this weekend with injury reports. Um, But the Bucks are definitely looking to secure another win this season. Obviously, Brady just loves to win a lot of controversy around him, you know, Outside of football and football, people questioning his will to want to play the game anymore. Obviously, I don't think anyone would blame Tom Brady if he walks away at this point. Because what else do you have to, what do you have to lose, and what else do you have to gain? Like you, you can gain another Super Bowl, but like it's not going to make his legacy in my book any better. Because with or without that extra Super Bowl. He's already considered the greatest NFL player of all time and definitely the greatest quarterback of all time and is the GOAT. And you lead the all-time list in touchdowns, passing yards, completions, Super Bowl titles, wins, game-winning drives. What do you have to lose if you're Tom Brady? (laughs) Colts fans, please don't kick me out, but as much as, like, I know our history with Tom Brady won't, like let us let him be great we just he, that's a bad man yeah yeah bad man and people say oh brady's getting old brady's this brady's that i just that man has how many t- how many super bowl rings how many seven. more than any exactly. franchise in the nfl i don't even so, understand and he just at his old age just won a champion Championship, y'all watched like, it just like I y'all watched it like I watched it, but it's like funny. two soup like two years ago. People don't get yeah. that two years ago, and here they are back in contention again. They got the Rams, they got the Packers, so it's like they're pretty much you could say schedule wise being trained for another Super Bowl run because 
most likely the teams they're playing now in or out their division within their conference are going to be the teams that they're going to be facing. And nine times out of 10, the AFC teams they are seeing this year are not, are, you know, possibly can definitely come out the AFC as either a wild card or a top T, you know, a top tier seed. But yeah, like Packers and Bucks. I don't know who I'm picking. I think I think I'm gonna have to go with you. It's gonna be a slugfest. It's gonna be a juggernaut. I think it's really hey. gonna be a shootout. I agree with you on that one because it's like we don't know. We don't know who's gonna win that. We can get a good Aaron Rodgers or we can get a Tom Brady that's just gonna light it up and say, you know what, enough is enough. I'm the goat. I'm still the you know the mother effort to be up in this. You know what? And I'm about to show you, and I'm about to show you against a name that you respect almost as much if not as much as you respect mine. Or Aaron Rodgers can possibly say the same thing because talent-wise, people consider him as it, even though Patrick Mahomes talent-wise can have something to say about that due to both of their resumes being practically identical. As of right now, minus the obviously minus the multiple MVP winning seasons that Aaron Rodgers owns. Hey, look, it, it, it's going to be a, a, a tough one. But I mean, I feel like I said, like, I feel like with those two big names and knowing it's going to go back to back as we keep mentioning, why wouldn't you put it at a closing game spot? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll probably, like I said, I'm hoping that that's the 425 game that I get here in Carolina. But again, I that late night spot just seems like it would have been so much better. Yeah, I agree. I don't know who I want to pick. But I do feel like Tom might say, you know what, just for good measure, if this is really the last time, let me remind y'all one more time. Yeah, agree. So we're closing out this episode, moving on now to Thursday night football. You know, tonight, the Browns versus the Steelers or the Steelers at the Browns in a Pretty much, you could say, a battle for first place in the AFC North division because headed into week four, this is most likely if the Steelers win, they're going to definitely be staying in first place. And I think that I think that's safe to say. I think the Steelers just might be in first place of the division because they got the Jets next week. And I definitely got them beating the Jets at home. I think they owe us Yinzers a win at home after that horrible offensive performance against the Patriots, who really didn't do jack. Just let you lay your own eggs and just ate them in front of your face. But they didn't. That's pretty much what happened. But then you got the Browns to worry about right now because this is a divisional game. You're 1-0 in your division. You want to extend that streak. And for some reason, the Steelers are looking better on the road than they are at home. But, hey, I'll take the win. I got the Steelers. I think that the keys to the Steelers winning, though, is stopping the run. You got to stop Nick Chubb. You got to stop Kareem Hunt because whether it is Jacoby Brissett, whether it is Baker Mayfield, whether it is Deshaun Watson, it's clear as day that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are going to be the ones to carry the load. They're going to be attacking you because they obviously heard the word about your run defense, which wasn't great last year, was dead last, 32nd ranked out of all 32 teams in the league. So they're definitely going to be looking to attack that. You got to find a way to minimize you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt this year. 
in this matchup in order for you to at least compete in the game, let alone win the game. Now, we're definitely going to have to be looking for a bounce back for Mitchell Trubisky or at least an improvement from the offense. We're definitely going to have to open up the playbook because you said that Ben was the reason. Ben's gone. I need to start seeing the field getting attacked down the middle more. I need to start seeing receivers get open more. I need to see more deep shots being taken because the key matchup is going to be Deontay Johnson having to win his matchup against Denzel Ward because I think I don't see Deontay getting doubled in Cleveland. I think, and rightfully so, they trust Denzel Ward one-on-one with Deontay Johnson and because we're talking about a top three, top five cornerback in Denzel Ward, not just a top 15 or top 20 name, you know? This guy's been one of the best cornerbacks in football since 2018, which was his rookie year when he was drafted, when he made his debut. He intercepted Big Ben twice. Um, I would never forget it, even though we did tie the game. We were supposed to win that game. We didn't. It was not a pretty picture for the Steelers. Um, but... More of the story, he definitely made his mark. He's been making his mark before, you know, afterwards, and he's just been balling. And Deontay Johnson, being the competitor that he is, he's definitely going to be looking for this matchup because this is definitely, you know, a definite opportunity for him to show everybody, like, yeah, I'm that dude in Pittsburgh. You about to see why. Yeah, yeah, he got his money, whatever. But you about to see why I got my money. I think Deontay Johnson is definitely going to be willing to take that matchup. But you could definitely look for Chase Claypool to be lined up with Denzel Ward as well, as, as obviously they have history as well. But Deontay is our number one wide receiver. He is the veteran around. And then you do have Denzel Ward, who's obviously going to want to smoke with Deontay because we all seen what Deontay is capable of, especially week one against Cincinnati when he just made a phenomenal catch. And so far to me, and I may be being biased, but that's catch of the, you know, catch of the year so far because that was amazing. That was so amazing. And the fact that the amount of room that he had on that catch with one hand, wow, it was just, it was just great. And in the words of Ben Roethlisberger, we never seen Deontay play like that, and he's only getting better. He's getting open more, but he is going to have his toughest challenge, you know, tonight against Denzel Ward, who I said is a top three, top five cornerback in football, who's obviously going to be looking to pretty much end that party and have the hashtag over Deontay Johnson's name, party over, at least for this week. Um, But... The keys is that matchup, along with stopping the run. You got to stop the run if you're the Steelers. Nick Chubb is looking for a bounce back because he didn't have the best performance last year against the Steelers defense. You don't have TJ Watts, so it's going to make it really tough. But I do got faith in Cameron Hayward. I do got faith in Alex Highsmith. I do got faith in, um, you know, a lot of the other guys to step up for TJ Watt while he's gone. I got faith in Reed, who I think had a great debut against the Patriots last week, but that's the Patriots. It's the Browns, a way better run offense. So you got to think about all of this because yes, they lost to the Jets, but look how many points they averaged. And the Browns this season so far in two games is averaging about 25 or more offensive points, maybe 24.2, something around that. So you got to be the Steelers and the Steelers so far. It's only averaging 18.6, but their defense has only been giving up about like 15 to 18 points. So if you are the Steelers, 
defense. You've got to find a way to neutralize the run game and do what you did to Baker Mayfield last year to Jacoby Brissett, which is forcing to throw the ball. Trust Mika to be Mika. Trust Cameron Sutton and them guys to step up, along with Akilah Witherspoon, who I think is looking for a bounce back as he did not have the best performance against, you know, Myers last Sunday against the Patriots at home. And then you also got to trust Terrell Edmonds. You got to trust that secondary, who I think has been playing pretty well. But Amari Cooper, you got, you know, Najoki, you got all these other guys who are way more efficient so far offensively. And Cleveland's been playing pretty well. But I got the Steelers because I trust Mike Tomlin and the game plan. So I definitely got the Steelers. I think Trubisky is willing to shut the doubters up, at least for this week. At least for this week. Or we could be seeing Kenny Pickett and he might just make a come. You know, he might just bring the Steelers back and come out with the win. Or we could be seeing what we saw in week one where the defense pretty and Chris Boswell led the Steelers to victory. But the keys is Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool or both winning their matchup against Denzel Ward. Greedy Williams, if he's playing, you definitely got to look out with him. Pat Fryermuth got to step up and win his matchup against Ronnie Harrison and John Johnson, who are both in that secondary, who I think a lot of people are forgetting about. And you got to stop the run. You definitely got to stop that. I think those would be the three biggest keys to the Steelers' victory. But the Browns obviously finding ways to stop the Steelers' pass rush because that's the strongest asset. Obviously finding a way to neutralize Mika Fitzpatrick because – I wouldn't throw the ball Mika away at this rate. This guy is just ridiculous. I love it as a Steeler fan and as a Mika Fitzpatrick fan. He know he's my current favorite player, but still, as a you know, as a football fan, I wouldn't recommend Mika away. I read him. I would like that would be a game I won't target Najoku because you know him and Mika. Uh, I have to put my money with you know Fitzpatrick on that one, and people would call me biased, but it's okay because I'm I'm getting ready to have my bias moment. I feel like this is my last Jacoby Brissett stand moment today. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, I know you mentioned you know it's going to be big for you guys to like neutralize the run, and I'm I definitely agree. You need to worry about Kareem and um, Nick yeah, Chubb, but I mean, but also you have to think about the fact that you know again with the Colts, Jacoby was used on you know fourth and shorts all the time because that's a long big body to you know use and just you know get that quick quarterback sneak um so he doesn't necessarily always have to throw it but like I said I am I am giving you guys this win but I mean also you know realizing you know not giving any of you know the Browns offense an excuse but that is a that's a new quarterback and you've got a lot of outside noise that's not necessarily football related going on in that organization right now. Um, but I mean, they've, I feel like they've just got a lot more to block out that's not football related. And then also trying to learn a new quarterback um, as well. So, you know, aside from, you know, those three being possible running targets, I, I feel like they just got to get out of their own heads and work through all that. But like I said, I got, I got that for you guys this week uh yeah jacoby big body definitely Mm -hmm. um another key that i do want to mention is miles gary um dan moore got the best of miles gary uh last year in both matchups miles gary only averaged like one sack against big ben but 
Ben got the ball out quickly, unlike Mitchell Trubisky so far this year. So another key is definitely stopping Miles Garrett. Uh, he don't have Drevin Clown, you know, Javon Clowney this matchup, but he, you know, he's he's a monster. Um, I hate that the Browns have him and Denzel Ward. I really do. <laughs> I hate the fact that they got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt because those are going to be the X factors regardless of who's the quarterback is. Like, they alone are a problem because they could change the concept and the momentum of a game like that. But I think the Steelers would definitely have enough to pull off the win. So... Yeah, Brown Steelers, 820 on Amazon Prime, NFL Network. Definitely tune in as the AFC North, you know, the current spot, current first place spot AFC North division is definitely on the line. Uh, you like to say something before we wrap this all up and end this episode, host? Hey, I mean, as long as you tag me in that caption on social, I'm good. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Definitely, uh, Greg Popovich got to speak out about Becky Hammond one more time, and she mm-hmm. de- he definitely does. So, guys, that's it. This is your host, May Shayla, your co-host, Kayla Lewis, signing out. And this has been the Mike Bomb Podcast. Welcome to the official podcast where the bombs get thrown. I'm your host, May Shayla Bogan, and I introduce to you the Mike Bomb Podcast. Enjoy.